Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. On a Monday, we always have the opportunity to talk to Dr. Rick Breas. So thanks for joining us today for Mental Monday. Get a checkup from the neck up from Dr. Rick. Think1forYou.org is the website. That's think one for, that's the number, you.org. And uh, welcome to the show. Broncos were off this week, but my first question for you would be about them because now that they, they get through the bye week, they'd played, they'd won two of their last three games. They have played more or less pretty well in the last three. They come off a big win over the chiefs at home. And there is a sense and a feeling that the Broncos may have turned this around. Now what that looks like necessarily, who knows, because we, their next four games are not necessarily gimmies. Obviously you have Buffalo next in Buffalo on a Monday night. But how do you walk the line when you're a team that's been down as long as the Broncos have? Now, if you're Sean Payton, as he pointed out before, even the history of the Chiefs, well, to him it's all new, first year for him. How do you walk the line between confidence and overconfidence when just recency shows that you're playing well, but you zoom out, your team's, the record's still pretty bad. Right. Well, I think one of the things all of us have to remember is you know, they've won the last two games, which has given them good evidence that they can be successful. But every game is independent. I, I want people to understand that. <laughs> there's every, no carryover. Yeah, there's no carryover. There's no, you know, people talk about we got momentum going yeah. into the bye week. That's all perceived. Yes. And we talk about perception. It's, you know, it's emotional and psychological. So, you know, come Monday night in Buffalo, when they line up, you know, the the three technique, the five technique, and the seven technique – are going to decide who establishes the line of scrimmage, and then then we'll go from there. But the mental side of the game is there's no carryover. Each game's independent. And so I always tell this, and Sandy, you've heard me say this over the years, there's no upsets in my book. None. Ever, ever, ever upsets. Because at this level, everybody can play. Everybody has physical talent. Everybody can play. The difference is the teams that play together. They play with cohesion. They play with collaboration. Um, Their coaching staff is well prepared and gets the players well prepared, not just physically, but emotionally and psychologically. And so for me on any given night, r- literally anything can happen. I mean, Philadelphia could lose to, you know, some of the worst teams in the league. It's possible. It's not, it's, Philadelphia it's, has an easier time with Dallas than yeah. it has with Washington. Right. Just and to give you a, There's an example, example, you know, and again, I tell you, it's not, it's not probable, but it's possible. And so we have to understand that the neck up, the, the, that part of the game is highly variable in that not all teams teach it the same. Not all teams understand it the same. I mean, the, the NFL in the last five to seven years has undergone a change from pathological mental health to wellness. And now wellness is a major piece of what teams are doing 
to help their players not just be mentally healthy, but also well off the field in terms of their life decisions and choices. So it's really it's really unique in that the Broncos will have an opportunity to carry, quote-unquote, this perceived momentum. But in, in reality, when they line up on Monday night, they just they better have gap responsibility. Yeah. They better have coverage responsibility. They better have been prepared from the neck up and the neck down if they're going to have success. And the Buffalo Bills will not be in a good mood. That's right. Having fallen to five and four now. Yeah. And as we speak, they're behind the Jets. They're not even a playoff team. They're in third yeah. place in their own division. Behind the Jets. Now, that may change after tonight because I think the Chargers will beat the Jets. But, again, who knows Who knows where the Jets are and where the Chargers yeah. are psychologically. And the game is played in a friendly environment yep. from uh, the Jets' point of view. I, I wanted, though, to kind of focus on Peyton because we've been reading reports and talking to people over there, obviously not for public attribution, who say that Peyton believes. He's turned this team around. Mm. He has turned it around. Okay. Not that his assistants have helped or <laughs> players have improved their game. Yeah. He's turned it around, yeah. and the Broncos are about to go on a run. Okay. Well, let's see the evidence. I mean, I you know, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I don't doubt him. Exactly. And, again, I want people yeah. to understand I'm not pessimistic. But, you know, based on – I mean, you know, when you get your Ph.D., you become a scientist, and you really – you want evidence. You don't want – Hyper hyperbole. We don't want you know anecdotal evidence. I want to see the evidence, and I'm not saying it can't happen because it can. If they go out and execute and they're prepared both mentally from the neck up and the neck down, then they will. I do know that there are certain things they lack in preparation. I do know that because I know enough about the team that they're not doing all the things they possibly could do to get themselves prepared, especially from the neck up. And you know that comes back to the head coach, the GM, the EVP in the building what their belief systems are whether they do those type of things there's some teams that completely believe in it and there's other teams that don't understand it so they hand it off to people sure we have we have a, a clinical psychologist sir we have a motivational psychologist but they don't really truly integrate it into the everyday ecosystem and i'll tell you what the teams that do weave it into their ecosystem and philadelphia is one of them well, you see the, you see the continued success that. how do you explain the philadelphia eagles who seemingly refused to lose. I, I had a good feeling about Dallas yeah. yesterday. I'm pulling for Philadelphia because I like Jalen Hurts. Yeah. As and you know Jalen Hurts sure. quite well. Uh, but I, I thought it could have been Dallas's day. And, you know, it's a 50-50 ball game when Dallas is down there at the five or six-yard line. Right. Less than a minute to go. You know, first and goal. And then they start – doing stupid things that Dallas often does in big games. But Philadelphia never seems to do. Yeah. At least with this current coach and his staff and the organization overall, they seem to be every week banged up as they may be in prime shape psychologically. Yeah. Well, and I know a lot about Philadelphia. I have some connections to the team, so I know what they're doing, what they're not doing. I also know a lot about Dallas. I'm learning a lot more about Dallas and lightning speed because of my connection to DeMarcus Ware. But I can tell you this. I th guys, these seasons run together. Me Was it last year the kicker missed four extra points? Was that just this last yes, season? that was Dallas. Okay, so Dallas was at a point where they would do anything. They would have called in voodoo. Yeah. They would have called in, you know, I mean, just witch doctors, whoever. And I was able to do some work with, with the kid over the phone, and we got him straightened out. But that tells me right there, neck up, Dallas, yeah. is not where they should be. Right. 
neck up for Philadelphia. I know what they're doing. They're doing great things. Um, they're even trying to get better at that. Yeah. Just like just like McDermott in Buffalo. Yes. He's thirsty for the neck up. He's he's a great uh, student of the game, and that's you know that's the difference, Sandy and, and Sean. I wanted to just say this when you brought up about Peyton. The great coaches that I work with, and again, I work with assistant coaches, head coaches in the NFL. The great coaches are they're never satisfied with their knowledge base. They don't think they've ever made it. And for some reason, this guy here seems like he yes. feels like he's made it and he's got this thing figured out. And as soon as we all drink his Kool-Aid, then this thing is going to work. I may be off base on that, but I don't think I am. And I think that's coming from sources within the building too. So going back to the guys who continuously want to learn, they're they're at the top of the NFL, and Philly's one of them. They're at the top of the NFL from the mental side and the wellness side of the game, and they're still searching to get better. That's what I call the, the you know the Kool Aid that champions drink from is they're never satisfied. Just like Nick Saban, the night they win a national championship Monday night, Tuesday he's on the phone recruiting right away because he just and guess knows. who's back in the national championship picture in college? There all of a go. sudden, there yep. you go. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, seemingly. Yeah. out of nowhere, and that's right? when you strike when the iron's hot. To you, it's not. Out no, of I mean form, storm, norm, and perform. I mean those are four levels that he uses in his program. And he wants to be playing the best football at this time. So it, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if they end up being national championships champions again. Probably have to be Georgia I, twice. But I love happen. the idea that you talked about in the NFL, there are no upsets. And I, I, we talked about the science of it. I literally just you know whipped down some quick quick math. And I'll go through it quickly so people see where I'm getting from. So yeah. 32 teams, 53-man rosters. Let's just start there. That's 1,696 active players yeah. in the NFL. Let's just say 15% of them retire every year. And it's actually not that high. But let's just hypothetically say it's 15%, right? That would leave 254 open jobs per year. In Division I alone, 4,190 juniors and seniors play. And that's just assuming 63-man rosters right. and not teams that go more. That's the minimum at 133 teams. That's 6% of all juniors and seniors in any given year will ever make the NFL. Mm -hmm. And if you break that down by position in any given year, it's top 10 per position. Right. That's it. That's it. That will ever make it. Yeah. And so when you talk about the NFL, you are talking about the absolute elite. The, the difference between a winless NFL team and the team that wins the championship in terms of pure, raw talent mm -hmm. is actually rather minimal. Yeah. It's no more than... 10% if that. Yeah. Because you're drawing from the same pool of the best 10 players at every position in the country every single year. Right. So, so much of it has to do, and we simplify it in our, in our terms when we talk about sports, but we say execution. Sure. But in the end, you know, what is execution? Right. It is planning. Yeah. It is organizing everyone to be on the same side and then doing all those things simultaneously. All of those things, up until you run into a physical opponent, are mental. Right. All of them. Yeah, and I tell people this all the time. Like, in your planning, in your game planning, in the room when you're watching and breaking down tape, your glutes aren't doing that. Your hamstrings aren't doing that. Your deltoids aren't doing that. It's so much of this game is mental that we don't even consider mental. I mean, you, you, you take someone's head, their brain off, they're not running a fly pattern. They're not running a 10-yard out. They're not coveraging. You know, the, the, a playbook in the NFL is about as thick as a stack of papers in front of you, Sandy. And you have to be mentally competent to understand it and apply it. And I think so many people don't understand how much goes into mental. And like you said, Sean, 
people will say, oh, we out-executed them. But what does that really mean when you break it down? It comes back to the mental preparation of game plans, mental preparation of understanding. You know, I've, I've told Coach Logan this. He's the head coach at Cherry Creek because my son plays there. And I said, you, you guys aren't inventing X's and O's. I mean, this has already been done. People, you know, it's culture. It's leadership. It's mental. It's all of that stuff from the neck up. And if people understood how to measure that and value that better – then we would start to get the, the, the really recognition and the credibility that we deserve on the mental side of the game because it really plays a role. You know, these kids come out of college, and let's say they're 6'5", 285, run the 40 and 4'7", they play defensive tackle, otherwise known as a three technique. They don't get smaller, slower, faster, whatever. The variables that change are mental. The, the, the ability, because... It, let's say at Alabama, you're playing in the SEC, you can dominate there. But now you come to the NFL, you get hit in the mouth. People are better. People are quicker, faster. Then what are you going to do with that mentally? Are you going to go, all right, let's get it on? Or are you going to go, whoa, whoa, I've never been hit like that before. I've never seen that kind of speed. I know when I was a rookie in the NFL, the first thing I noticed right away is offensive tackles can run. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, in college. Like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> exactly. In college, they were just big road graders that were going to you know, run block and drive block, and all of a sudden you got that guy, and he's actually an athlete. So I tell you what, it's mental. That's not physical. That's mental because then you have a message in your head that says, all right, well, I'm going to match that, or it's like, whoa, this is a whole nother level. And how people process that or not will make the difference, Sean, in what you're talking about making it in the NFL. What about making it in uh, major college football up in Boulder? Uh, right now you uh, called your shot a few weeks back. Your words were, uh, what are people going to be talking about when they're four and seven? Well, they're four and five. Uh, they're nine and a half point underdogs at home to Arizona this upcoming week. I actually think Washington State's playing so poorly that they might have a chance in Pullman. Uh, if they have a chance to win any of their remaining three games, they won't win in Utah. I don't think they'll beat Arizona this week. Arizona's playing excellent football and is yep. ranked team now. Yes. USC and UCLA aren't ranked, but Arizona all of a sudden is, is ranked. Uh, they've lost three games this year, uh, two in overtime. They are, they are very underrated. Uh, I'm not saying national championship sure. or anything like that. They've lost too many games. But what's going on? Uh, <laughs> they're, they're changing play callers. Uh, now they're all of a sudden secretive and shut down about really any football-related issue that you might want to ask about, although yeah. uh, the head coach after UCLA claimed to be fully transparent, 100% transparent, because he told us that his son got a shot at halftime so he could stay in the game. Mm. Uh, but then on Saturday night, late, early Sunday morning maybe, when he was asked to explain what the heck was going on with this change in play calling, uh his answer was, let's not demean Sean Lewis. Well, the only person who would demean Sean Lewis through his actions is Deion Sanders. Sure. Nobody in the media yeah. said the play caller has to be replaced. The last four home games are averaging 41 points per game. Yeah. And they scored 17 on offense the other night. Yeah. And looked completely lost. And even Samuel L. Jackson, a strident backer of Deion Sanders, uh, on social media the other night, 
ripped the entire game plan and approach and all the mistakes that were made at the end of the first half. Somebody on social media came back and said, what about the head coach? And to his credit, Samuel L. Jackson said, hmm, the head coach just seems to be standing there taking it all in, never talks to anybody, mm-hmm. yeah. not talking to any other coaches, doesn't talk to players except to scream at them like his defensive coordinator does. Yeah. Well, here's two words, and I don't want to go psychobabble on everybody, but it's egocentric and ethnocentric. Those are two words I would use to describe Deion Sanders. And what that what egocentric means, it's, he's, it's about him largely, and I think his kids. And, and there's so much evidence that I won't go into that I've talked about before, but ethnocentric means you're, you, you, believe, you have a belief system based on what you, how you were raised, your culture, those type of things. I think he's stuck in a sense of ethnocentrism, both on the football side and on the social side as well. And I think he's starting to suffer for that. He's starting to understand that just rah-rah and quotes – and you believe in these kind of nice, nice little catchy phrases, don't build a football program long term. Um, and I also think he's learning that you got to be careful of the words you choose when you speak. When you talk about your own offensive line, um, those kids, those kids are humans and they have, conv- you know, they have convictions and they have belief systems in that they've, you know, they chose CU for a reason. Right. And maybe he, didn't, maybe he didn't recruit them. He wanted them. Well, I know he wanted them. Though. Oh, yeah, they're transfers. And, and that whole offensive line, right? And so the notion guys is he wanted. So the notion is, if I'm an offensive lineman and you bring me in and we don't perform well, then it's that simple. Okay, we're going to get new ones and new ones and new ones. Loyalty is a one way street. But here's one of the greatest things that college football teams, high school football teams, pro football teams have an attribute: is they develop players. The great teams develop players. They don't just throw them out. Um, I, I would argue that the any offensive lineman he's going to get in there that compared to who they got, they're okay. Are they going to be a little bit more athletic? Maybe. Are they going to be a little bit more, you know, intelligent, intellectual? Perhaps. But he's got. I know he's got two kids up there that can flat out play on the offensive line that aren't even playing. So if it's really an internally um, competitive environment where the best players play, then there's two of them that aren't playing right now. So you, how do you answer that? And then the last thing I'll say about Dion is I, I, I would love to pull for him, but he's doing things, he's saying things in his quotes that just have holes all over him in terms of leadership. He doesn't no, understand. No he doesn't understand how to treat people. He leverages them. He continually belittles them with, with really deductive reasoning that doesn't make sense. And I can, I'll quote him. He can, he's welcome to call me directly, and I'll give him the example where he's doing it. I just happen to have a knowledge base where I'm, I'm picking it out. A lot of people just drink that Kool-Aid because it's inspirational. But if he wants to build a long-term program here from the foundation up, and, and Rick George, I'd be listening if I were you, then he's got to do it the foundational way, and that's to build humans. You don't build a football team by just threatening people and berating them. You do it by encouraging and love encouraging players to be the best they can be. And then when you do that, you have a chance to compete at the highest levels. Not even saying you will. That's how far off they are. You have a chance. Because if you go back, anyone that's going to be honest, they should be. They should have two wins right now, really. In all real, realistic, you know, so so what? They, they, they made good on those games. They earned them. They have four wins. I, I predict they won't win another game this season. And I also predict that in the future, unless he changes his rhetoric and he changes the way he leads in this organization, they're going to continue to be about where they're at right now for the foreseeable future. Well, let me let's take a spin off of that, right? Because when we are 
you know, I try to relate this to people that, that it's, it's really no different. You know, your mind sort of functions as a muscle. And when, when we work out, part of the reasons we build muscle, if you get down to it on the, in the classes in biology, you're really, when you're lifting and you're a little sore, well, you tore, you damaged some muscle fibers. You tore some. Your body builds more and stronger to compensate for that loss. That's what we're doing. That's how we grow. You can deal with that with losses, with hardship, with challenges mentally as well. And you can either take the lessons out of it or you can get stubborn and realize you're not going to take lessons out of it. So for Sanders, who's getting some, I think, some hard lessons and running into some challenges in which he probably has never experienced as a professional in athletics in any point, what would be the indications to believe that he has taken that and said, okay, you know what? This is different than anything I've experienced, and I now have to approach it differently. What would you see over the next few weeks, whether it's in press conferences or games, where you would say, okay, up, maybe, Maybe these hardships are forging something positive. Humility and the ability to communicate to people and treat people as people. You know, when you have a conversation with Deion Sanders, it's it's very egocentric. It's very so much about what he can offer. And he's got all the quotes and he's got all the experiences of how he went from here to here. And what he's not realizing, like when he talks about you know, his dad and his stepdad and not being in his life, but yet they're in the same neighborhood and these things. Those are deficits. Those are deficits. Now, it's not, that's not saying that he's going to be crucified for the rest of his life, that he'll never be able to be successful. But he, until he deals with that on a psychological and emotional level, he won't have such a deficit base that he has to boast about himself so much, boast about his players so much, boast about his program that we're coming. Just come. You know what? Don't announce that we're coming. Don't announce that we're here. Come out and just hit people in the mouth at the line of scrimmage, control the line of scrimmage, and do it as evidence. That's all you have to do. I have no problem with talking smack. I used to do it as a player, too. You know, I'll just say, hey, it's going to be a long night, pal. I hope your girlfriend's not here because she's going to witness murder tonight. (laughs) You know, but stuff like that. But But to get in a press conference and act like you're just know it all, like you have all the answers to this, he doesn't. So humility would be the first thing I would notice that he would take a look and go, you know what, I'm learning. I'm learning, I'm growing, my staff is learning and growing, but we're doing it together, and we will build this into a successful program, but it's gonna be done you know, the way it's always been done, over time, over a period of time where you build it from the ground up, and that is to build people. Build people is the way you build football teams, organizations, schools, Families, you name it. Oddly, there is a Sanders who consistently, I think, shows that, and it's a son. It's yeah, a son. Yeah, who's great. Who seems games. very uh, seems great as if the objective is to build mature. teammates, yeah. build yeah. people, and understand yeah. it's a process. It'll be fascinating to watch for both the Broncos and the Buffs who have some more of an overlap than you might expect going on <laughs> yeah. right now. And you're yep. talking about the people that run the show. It will be interesting to find out how it all shakes out. As the season goes along, you can find more about what Dr. Rick Perea can do for you. Thinkone4u.org is the website. Thinkone, the number 4u.org. Check them out, of course, every Monday right here on our Mental Mondays. We get our checkup from the neck up. Thanks, Thanks, Doc. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun. Always appreciate it. Thanks so much, Dr. Rick Perea, joining us. The Denver Nuggets. Look, I told you eventually we'd talk about a team that won. We get to them. The Nuggets are up next on My Life Sports.
Now more with Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. This is Sandy and Sean on Mile High Sports. Finally, a good uh, weekend in sports for one of these teams. That would be the Denver Nuggets, who on uh, for the start of the NBA, and I, I love this, the NBA in-season tournament, which is aptly named in-season tournament. Uh, the Denver Nuggets <laughs> start off uh, well with the win over the Mavericks, 125-104. They knock off the Bulls the very next night on Saturday, 123-101. to uh, They will play tonight against the uh, Pelicans, by the way, in a practice that Nikola Jokic left practice a little early with ice on his right wrist, but is expected to play. But on those back-to-back nights, we were waiting for the breakout. Michael Porter Jr., 24 points against the Mavs. The very next night, 27 points against the Bulls. He was their best player this week. And in both of those games, by the way, together, uh, 9-for-18 shooting from three alone. uh, After the Bulls game, had an opportunity to talk with Altitude Chris Dempsey right on the sideline. Michael Porter Jr., 27 points tonight, season high, 13 of those in the fourth quarter. Just talk about your game tonight. I mean, it was a team effort. You know, it was the second night of a back-to-back. We just wanted to come out and play our brand of basketball. We knew Jamal, you know, obviously one of our best players uh, went out, so we all had to pick it up. Yeah, uh, for you, it's following a 24-point night. You've hit nine three-pointers in the last two games. Just talk about the importance of re-energizing and getting that going in that second game of a back-to-back. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough on back-to-backs, but uh, this is our job. We had to recover last night, and um, we, we played as a team today. I got a lot of open looks, so shout-out to my teammates. 24-6 to six start to the third quarter. Uh, what was said at halftime that you guys came out with such a hot start? Coach was just holding us accountable. We didn't feel like we were playing our best brand of basketball the first two quarters, so he challenged us, and we accepted the challenge. And you continue to be undefeated here at home uh, in front of the home crowd. Uh, what's going right for you, and how do you guys keep that going? It's because of them, and it's because of the altitude, but it's mostly because of them. So shout out to the fans. Appreciate you guys. All right, thank you. Michael Porter Jr., 27 points. Nuggets win. For our friends at Altitude, Chris Dempsey on the sideline with Michael Porter Jr. after his second game in which he played extremely well. What I hear from Michael Porter Jr., this has been a consistent pattern of growth over the last, I would say, roughly 18 months. Professionalism. Mm-hmm. Simple Much professionalism. more professional. Top to bottom. And it's showing in his game. Now, we knew the shot would come because he battled an ankle that kept him inactive for the majority of the preseason. But how about this? Against the Mavs, now when they kind of isolated, and against the Mavs for the the first time this year, uh, Michael Porter Jr. got the defensive player of the game chain that the Nuggets keep around their their locker room. But he was tasked, and this, by the way, was the Mavs' strategy, to get Luka Doncic isolated on Michael Porter Jr., especially in the pick and roll. When Porter was the primary defender on Luka Doncic, Doncic shot two for eight and had five turnovers. That's not a good performance defensively. That's a great performance defensively against one of the handful of elite performers in this game. Not just the bad shooting, but forcing him into five turnovers. Porter Jr. has learned how to use the length. He's The effort is there. And I think the next step for Porter Jr., and we saw it a little bit. Now, Jamal Murray, you know, uh, left the game early with, with the Bulls, not expected to play. He's going to miss some time. Michael Porter Jr. looks like a guy who watched the end of a lot of playoff games from the sideline with Bruce Brown closing and has watched even a couple games early in the sideline with Christian Brown closing. Yes. And appears to me to be a guy that's, I'm a starter, and I want to be a closer. And he's putting in the work to do it. Well, there's no fault to find in the two games with respect to the Nuggets generally and Porter specifically. 
He had four blocks and three turnovers in the two games. Three turnovers in 65 minutes of game action. Uh, Which holds up to what he did in the playoffs, too. In the we playoffs, were talking about even a year ago at this. In turnovers. was terrific yeah. in, in the yeah. playoffs. But uh, plus 17 in 34 minutes Friday night, plus 30 in 31 minutes Saturday night. I know it's the Bulls, and yet I thought, really, you looked at Gordon at plus 26, uh, Jokic, of course, plus 33. Jokic can be player of the game every night. But I really thought the player of the weekend who had more to do at both ends with the Nuggets winning was, in fact, Michael Porter Jr. Uh, I mean, the bench was fine uh, and continues to be solid. And I love the way Michael Malone is using his bench. Because when Murray went out, he had to get creative. Mm -hmm. Uh, Murray only played 10 minutes on Saturday night. So he saw some of Gillespie. Uh, we saw more of Reggie Jackson. We saw a lot of Brown and, and Watson, of course. Both played 18 minutes. But I love the way he substituted. And saw DeAndre Jordan for 12 minutes as well. You know, going up against a, a, a bigger body. You know, when you have Andre Drummond coming off the bench, a guy that's been spent his career as a thumper, collected 11 points off the board in, in 15 minutes. But you saw DeAndre Jordan go out there. And, and no, it's statistically not really impressive. But he's out there to just make sure that those big guys have to work a little bit. And uh, that creates a drain. I, I love the idea of the bench. He's been using it with depth. Uh, Gillespie gets his opportunity with with uh, for him. Gillespie you know, big minutes, well. twelve minutes. Yeah. And uh, Peyton Watson continues to kind of uh, I wouldn't say surprise, but but blossom in every way that the Nuggets hoped. But Porter Jr. picked up all of the offensive slack for for Murray to the point where y- you weren't really concerned about it. There was enough there. And Jokic, by the way, you're right. We could. I'm glossing it over. Jokic was an assist from a triple-double in both of those last yeah. games. And, and who cares, really? Right, it doesn't matter <laughs> it anymore. Really I mean, he was he was just tremendous, as he always is. It's, it's almost, uh, it's hard not to take him for granted. He's so ridiculously good. But the, the growth from Porter, to my mind, and you're talking about, you know, we talked about the, you mentioned the blocks, you know, against the Bulls. Yeah. Uh, six boards lower on the boards, but uh, a steal, a couple of blocks as well. Um well, he had 15 rebounds in the two games. Yeah. You can live with that. Uh, yeah, you can live with that. And and Michael Porter Jr. thus far on the season now is averaging 15 points. And, of course, we know that will skyrocket. No, uh, and he's probably at, not. Well, you don't think it'll be, well, that's, you're, you may be right. I think it'll be more of the 18 to 19 by the end of the year. I well, think. No, no, it won't skyrocket. I, it, it might be, but if it isn't again. I, I don't care if it's 15 points a game or 18 points a game. As long as they're it efficient. It doesn't matter. What, what but the rebounds are seven point nine and climbing, right? And well, the defensive it, performance is good. It, he's at seven and a half to eight rebounds a game. That's fine. Um, they they really rebounded this weekend. They had nineteen offensive rebounds on Friday night, and come back the next night with ten to Chicago's nine. And Chicago has size. Yeah, they do. It, 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 Chicago isn't a team you dominate uh, on the boards, and it was forty nine thirty seven. Uh, largely because the Nuggets shot 52%, the Bulls shot 45%. And Friday night it was 53% for Denver and 48% for Dallas. Dallas actually played, I thought, an excellent offensive game. But the key was, while Doncic's raw numbers were comparable with Jokic's, Jokic had four turnovers, which is probably a few more than he, he should have had. Right. Doncic had nine turnovers. Yeah. And five, well, as you said, Porter was guarding him and was a minus four 
in in 38 minutes. Now, it was a game that Dallas lost by 11 points, but, you know, Doncic is playing 38 minutes, and he's a minus player. You know Irving isn't going to be able to compete not and, and refuses to compete on the defensive end of the floor. Lively completely overmatched. Uh, Jones overmatched uh, largely by uh, the Nugget front line. The only guy who competed, I thought, on the defensive end for Dallas at all was Grant Williams. Uh, Hardaway's a nice player coming off the bench, but defense is not his forte. Um, Dallas is a much improved offensive team. I mean, Doncic is really in shape and playing some of his best basketball. But defensively, there's no comparison. And you know what? The Nuggets are the number one defensive team in the league yes. right now number based one. on most serious metrics. They most certainly are. And they're, in, the half, in the half court, it's by a pretty wide margin. The The player efficiency ratings, I've always liked that stat. It's a way to simplify a little bit. Basically, it's everything good that happens minus everything bad that happens on average. Uh, it's a little more complicated than that. But it's your it's your shooting. Uh, it's the shooting rates. Basically, you know, points, assists, rebounds, block steals are good things. Missed free throws, missed field goals, turnovers, those are bad things. The Nuggets have four of their five starters in the top 100 players in the NBA. Not a huge surprise. Jamal Murray is 88th with the 16.71. That is in the area of, by the way, players who are, you know, not bad, like Nas Reed, who is just a little bit over. That's not bad at all. Number 75 in the league is Aaron Gordon. Eric Gordon finds himself uh, with the Jalen Williams of the world, uh, the, the Jonas uh, Valanciunas, the Fred Van Vliet's of the world at 17.71. Michael Porter Jr., is the second highest on the Nuggets at 66. That puts him with Malcolm Brogdon and John Collins yeah. and yeah. DeMar DeRozan. Right. Those kind of right. players. Yeah. That's where he's at. Porter Jr.'s uh, efficiency rating of 18.43 is less than one point behind Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown. That's the area. And Nikola Jokic, of course, um, guess where he is? Numero uno, obviously. But all of a sudden, the, the, the long-time knock on Michael Porter Jr. would be, yeah, but look what they pay him. Folks, I will say this. Go around and look at the NBA, guys that average 15 and 8, and shoot at the percentage that Michael Porter Jr. shoots. Just go look at that. Just go find it. And tell me what they average in salary in the NBA. Michael Porter Jr., from that regard alone, is not actually as overpaid as it seems like. It's just there's a lot of money in the NBA. If he's playing games where he holds a Luka Doncic, who, by the way, is number three in player efficiency rating in the entire league, mm-hmm. to two for eight with five turnovers, yeah, that's. I'm sorry, he's no longer it's a good overpaid. Night's work. It's a good night's work. We, we can we can start dropping that argument about Michael Porter Jr. getting too much money. Was it too much at the time? Maybe. Is it too much now? Probably not. That's a great sign for this Denver Nuggets team. And even though they may miss Jamal Murray with, with that hamstring injury for some time, by the way, C.J. McCollum, unfortunate luck, a pneumothorax, which is a partially collapsed lung. Yeah. It's the second time it's happened in his career. The last time it happened, he missed 18 games. McCollum's yeah, a great yeah, player. He'll be, uh, he'll be out for a while. Hopefully that gets better. That's a kind of a scary uh, Boy, they are situation. Jinxed. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and I'm like beginning it. to think uh, with Ingram, He's almost as injury-prone as, as Zion Williamson. They're already resting Zion Williamson because they don't Zion. want him played in more than 50 games. They really so don't. For the Nuggets, I, I think they can weather Murray's absence for a bit, and, and maybe this gives them an opportunity 
again, to be more creative with that bench. You know, it's more minutes for Stroud oh, or Gillespie yeah. Or, yeah. or Watson. Well, I, I, I think all these guys who get more minutes, uh, I love Christian Brown and Watson together out there because they're athletic wings. Too. Uh, they love to run, and it makes them run. Even, even the, the second unit, I think, is more prone to run, actually, than the first unit is. Would you just Jokic start, can play any way Start Reggie want. Jackson and then have, have uh, a combination of, no, of Gillespie I, and Pickett come I, off? I, not, well, maybe they'll do that. I, I don't know. Yes, we'll see. I don't know. I, I would tend, you know, this sounds crazy. I wouldn't want to mess too much with your rotation of four off the bench. The four guys you know so maybe are going you start to play. Like so Pickett you, or Gillespie. Maybe you start them. Pickett or Gillespie. Gillespie would might be my choice to start with KCP. People that way you don't, don't mess with your bench rotation. understand what a good player Gillespie is. They just don't. He's one of those Villanova guys who competes on every level. And he, he does everything with great intensity and intelligence. Jay Wright coached him. At Villanova, he was part of national championship teams there. And Jay Wright, in his day, right up until he retired, was one of the two or three best coaches year in and year out in college basketball. And there were some years, at least two, in which he won championships, in which he probably was the best coach in college basketball. And he loved Colin Gillespie. And if anybody needed to be talked into taking Colin Gillespie, um, who was not drafted, but but picking him up, the Denver Nuggets were smarter than about twenty. Well, that's kind of their that's kind of their guy. Teams. They're looking for. They're not worried about the ceiling. They're worried about the floor, and the smart players have higher floors. I I I get that, and I'm not saying he's going to be a great star. What I'm saying is he knows how to play, and that's what the he Nuggets plays need. the right way. He cares about defense. He cares about ball handling to the extent that you have to limit your mistakes he's a good not great shooter uh he has three-point range i would start him alongside caldwell pope and leave everything else as is with jackson brown watson and either naji or jordan coming off the bench jordan was the right guy the other night in place of naji against chicago bigger body because chicago comes out with drummond in back of busevich and drummond is big and a mismatch for Najee. So they put Jordan out there and Jordan's not great, but he gives him 12 mm-hmm. minutes. And uh, what did Jokic play? 33. Right. So they, they actually found three minutes in a game that was basically one sided in the second half. Chicago had a two point lead at the half to play small. And uh, Malone's growth is a, co- I, yeah. I think two, that's, I think that's a big deal too. Lines here early in the season. One is the growth of Porter, and that is the biggest story to me. And the second is Malone's comfort with this team. Yep. And when they didn't have the right approach in Minnesota, he called them out, but he didn't go bonkers, mm-hmm. as he has done in the past with, with poor efforts like that one. He put it into context. He held it in perspective. And he said over the weekend, listen, I <laughs> – I, Apart from maybe Minnesota, I I love our approach. And there are only, I think, two teams in the league who are playing as well 
as Denver is right now, and that's Boston, Philadelphia. Well, you know, I guess I guess getting a big old tattoo of uh, Maxie the Miner holding a championship trophy on your shoulder lets you relax a little bit if you're Michael Malone. And he, you're right, it's been a big difference. Uh, refer a friend this year and get a $50 bonus this season with Superbook Sports. Superbook is the most trusted name in sports wagering, and you don't want to miss the refer a friend bonus. All you need to do is click on the refer a friend link under your profile in the Superbook app. Share that promo code with your friends, and you get a $50 bonus for everyone who registers using your code. So win money wagering and win money referring this season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Denver Broncos get back at it this week. They will play the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are stinging a little bit off of a loss to the Bengals, but their next four opponents on Friday, we took a look at it and thought, hey, maybe things have lined up for the Broncos. Um... Maybe they haven't. We'll take a peek at what happened last last weekend and what it might mean for the Broncos going forward next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Trout to the end zone. Touchdown. Take Dell. CJ Stroud. Call from CBS on that. Uh, CJ Stroud with a ho hum 470 yards and five touchdowns in the Texans win. Over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Did that break some kind of record for a rookie? It seems like uh, it broke a bazillion Andrew records. Andrew Luck was the last rookie quarterback to throw for over 475 touchdowns. Maybe the only no one. picks. I think probably the only other one. And then you have this guy who might have been three the number yard one receivers. Pick. Had he done better on his cognitive tests, which may be poorly conceived they anyway. Are, they are. Because he sure are looks like a guy ideas. who's in control and can process information just fine. And calm in great. the pocket. But you know who, who is also the big story in NFL coaching this year is uh, DeMarco Ryan. The D'Amico Ryans, yeah. D'Amico oh, yeah. Ryans, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, who, who turned uh, down the Denver Broncos. Who turned down the Broncos. And D'Amico Ryans is a terrific young coach who brings calm to the proceedings. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you, you couldn't see that clip because it came he from reminds CBS. Me, he reminds Demico me Ryan's of Tomlin on the sideline. expression line. barely changed. Yeah. It barely changed. Yeah. That happened. That play happened with six seconds left. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, well, and Ryan just sort of had a blank look and looked at the, looked up the scoreboard. Keeps playoff picture. I mean, they're, they're, they're probably dead if they lose that game. They're, yeah. they're not a playoff team. I'm not saying they'll make the playoffs. But I, I think we've got, listen, the division leaders are far and away the best teams in their uh, divisions right now. Uh, they all have at least one game leads. Kansas City, Baltimore, Jacksonville, Miami. The wild cards are now Pittsburgh, which has been outgained in every game, outscored overall this year, and Mike Tomlin has that group five and three. Anybody who does Cleveland's not include him in one of the best coaches in the in the league every yeah. single year, I have no oh, idea what you mean. Cleveland, by the way, the Cleveland's defense, Cleveland's and we've, we've talked about it. I talked about it on Cincinnati's Friday. Five and I said three. Cleveland had the best defense in the league by far on Friday. They go out, and I get it. The Browns are, I mean, the Cardinals are terrible. But 
it's still hard to shut How out about- teams in the NFL, and the Cardinals never even yeah. came close to scoring no. anything. No, no, no. no. Uh, listen. That game could have lasted well, three times as long, and the Cardinals would have still had no points. Four AFC North teams in by far the best division in football are four of the seven teams right now who would be in the AFC. I don't, I don't. At midseason. Look, poor Clayton Toon had a tough gig. In there. I mean, you know, they, they, they trade Joshua Dobbs, and uh, Clayton Toon steps in. But look, Clayton Toon's QBR was 1.6 points better than yours, mine, and Danny's. Yeah. 1.6. Yeah. Long day for the kid. And he was their leading rusher with 28 yards. Keep this in mind. Their running game, their running game with their three running backs, I should really say, uh, with their two running backs. Keontae Ingram had nine yards. Probably eight yards on nine carries. That's .9 yards a carry. You got an idea of what Cleveland does. So, Toon scrambled. He got 28 yards. Rondell Moore, who is you know, at least capable of getting two yards, um, three carries on four yards. That's .8. Tony Jones... Tried him again. Two carries on three. They had their three running backs, Sandy. Not one of them. I mean, wrap your heads around this, people. Arizona's three running backs. Not a single one of them averaged one yard no. per carry. It, it, they it, could not average a I, yard per I, carry. I understand. Are I, you kidding? But it, it, that's Arizona. And a lot of teams could probably shut down Arizona. Cleveland is shutting down everybody. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Ugh. But... I'll look at Cleveland against credible offensive teams. They're still and doing some stuff. They're just <laughs> as good as they were against Arizona yesterday. Absolutely just as good. And it, they're the one team in the league, although Watson had decent numbers yesterday, the one team in the league that can win without an offense. The one team. Every every one of the other top teams in the NFL and will review the DVOA numbers tomorrow on the program, but every other top team is basically carried by its there offense are, yeah. more than its defense. Not that its defenses are are bad and any right. one of the given top teams, but n- nobody plays defense even close to Cleveland's. Baltimore is second, and yep. the distance between yep. second and tenth in DVOA is basically. Uh, Less than the difference between Cleveland and Baltimore, first and second. It's unbelievable how how they play defense. Miles Garrett is not only the defensive player of the year, he may be the most valuable player in the NFL this year in a non-quarterback year. If if ever, if ever, there's going to be a year where an MVP is a defensive player or at least a non-quarterback, it's 2023. Tyreek Hill could be an MVP yep. because he's more valuable than Tua. Tua is limited. We all know that. Mm-hmm. If Tua's timing, pass protection is great, and his timing is there, great. If you put pressure on him, though, very limited. Tua is not nearly as good as Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts can play under pressure. Jalen Hurts can play on one leg. Jalen Hurts played against Dallas yeah. yesterday, a great defense in Dallas, very good defense, top five defense in the league. Micah Parsons, uh, next to Miles Garrett, best defensive player in the league. And they scored 28 points on that. The Cleveland Browns defense has played eight games. They have yet to allow even a total of 2,000 yards. They're the only only team that can do that. And if you'd like to know the gap between them and their next pursuer. There's like 200 yards a game. They are 500 
few, they have allowed 500 fewer yards yeah. than the next best well, team. Five. That happens when you're giving up 200 yards a game. And 234. The only five teams. Important, I know. Only five teams in the NFL, Sandy, yards allow under points. 300 at all. Five. Yeah. Under 300. They're allowing 234. Yep. Oh. You better get you better get ahead of them early because if you're behind, you're in trouble because they're sending the house. Think about that division though. Cincinnati, over the last Uh, month, has looked like the best team in football. Has looked like as good a team as there is in football. I think think Burrow's been the best quarterback in football the last month, definitely, including against Buffalo last night when he completely outplayed Josh Allen. Cincinnati is in last place (laughs) in the AFC North at five and three. Cleveland is five and three. Pittsburgh is five and three based on tiebreakers. Pittsburgh, yes, even at minus thirty in point differential, five and three in second place. Cleveland in third at five and three. Cincinnati last at five and three. All four teams would make the playoffs if yep. the playoffs were held next week. Lest you think the All Broncos are would... quite ready to turn it around, they still rank fifteenth in the uh, American Football Conference. Uh, they are ahead of New England, though. They are. That's why they're not sixteenth. So by know. two games and a loss column, baby steps. But uh, they'll have to find a way to get it done. Of course, we'll talk more about this. But uh, we'll break down when we come, when we get back tomorrow. We will break down the next four weeks because uh, we learned some stuff. Yeah, and it, it's not great. It has been fun talking to you. Of course, the Nuggets get it going tonight against the Pelicans. But we have a lot of stuff to break down this week as well. Thanks to, of course, Dr. Rick Preya for joining us. As always, great to talk to Dr. Rick on Mental Mondays. Get our checkup from the neck up. Check out his website at thinkone4u.com. Or tomorrow, Ryan Blackburn. Hey, we talked about the Nuggets. Ryan Blackburn will join us, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast at My Life Sports. He'll break down the Nuggets with us as well after their game tonight. Danny Bailey's the man in the booth that makes everything work. You don't get to hear anything unless Danny does his job. So thanks, thanks to Danny as always. But thanks to you for listening, whether it's on the FM, the HD, MyLifeSports.com, or you made it easy on yourself and got the My Life Sports app to get everything that everybody puts together over here. It's a big, sprawling organization with a lot of pretty great stuff, including uh, those high school playoffs we talked about as well. Dr. Rick's son playing for uh, Cherry Creek. I went and caught uh, Castleview in their game over Fossil Ridge. Uh, Those are coming up uh, later this week. We'll touch on that, too. But it's going to be a fun week of sports. Thank you for joining us. Hopefully, you'll stick around. We'll be back in just about 22 hours. You, however, don't have to go anywhere. Keep it right here on My Life Sports. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.